there's a prophet, uh, his name has come up again, his person has come up again, um, named Larry Randolph, and we would hear him at some of the prophetic conferences up in Toledo, and this goes uh, way back, and um, he's this tall, lanky, from Arkansas guy, you know, um, and... Um, <clears throat> He is now, I think he's 73, and that he says that because it's, it's, it's real relevant. And um, he, he ran with a lot of the uh, great prophets and was a, lot of, a part of a lot of the different ministries that went on prophetically. And so um, he, like, I'm watching this in different people in the ministry, and uh, they're going through a process even later in their years, like... Uh, like I am, <laughs> might as well just say that. That's what I was thinking, so I'll just say. And um, like today's Super Bowl, interesting. The ring that you get for wearing the Super Bowl is kind of like the I Ching of the sports, you know, if you're in that realm. But is it not the, you know, one of the great rewards or accomplishments? to be on the team that wins. But the issue with that, and it's fine, and it is what it is. But I can say this without apology, without reser reservation. I know that I know this. It never satisfies. It's never enough, because if you have one, you see, once you win one, you are now in a position of failing to hit that mark every year from then on. So even getting there once, and I don't want to take anything away from what that is. I, it's not my world, but it is what it is. It's, it's great. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It doesn't go to heaven, though. That's the problem. It doesn't transfer up. I'm sorry. It does not. Your greatest accomplishment on this planet, unless it's truly kingdom, it doesn't make the cut. It doesn't endure the fire. It doesn't endure the rust. It doesn't endure the decomposing. It can't transition into eternity. You don't get to wear that ring or whatever other accomplishments you have in the kingdom, it becomes truly, truly irrelevant. The disease, bold word, but the disease that it hit has hit the church, and it goes back as far as, as I can remember, especially in Christianity, the charismatic movement, the, uh, the coming forth of the um, TV ministries, and getting to see that and being a singer from way back and wanting to have a band and wanting to do things and listening to other artists that accomplish something or there are people in the ministry, it's all kind of the same thing. And, and you begin to look at that and TV really made us discontent, Christian TV I'm talking about. Because you really want, I remember this hit me, it was in my DNA. I mean, I was, it was affecting me early on. If you didn't write a book, if you weren't invited to certain things, if you weren't a part of a certain, then 
didn't count. Like, it didn't seem to count. Like, now, we knew better, but it still had a grip on us. It still affected us. And uh, I like everyone else, you know, you see that stuff and, and, and the, uh, the accomplishments and the realms that whether they were Christian bands or whether they were speakers or people in the ministry and that they, they got a claim, they got that. It's great. I don't want to take anything away from them. Like it was amazing. And many of those people affected us deeply by what they brought to the kingdom, what they brought to the church. It, it was great. The, the problem I want to address, though, is the discontentment in that thing. And Larry Randolph, uh, like many other, Benny Hinn, he went through this. I mean, they have this full-blown ministry. They get to a point where go, that they go, I have to come back to doing this for the right reason. I've got to get reconnected to Jesus. You're like, what are you talking about? How can you, you have healings in your ministry? Thousands and thousands of people come. They come from all over. You go to another country. Many, many, many thousands come to your, and yet it, it never fills that thing. All that matters is that you encounter Jesus. Larry Randolph is going through the same thing. And um, he, he said, and he's speaking. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in the same place. Come through transitioning into the same thing. And back, I wrote it down. It was on right after Thanksgiving. I think it was November 29th. Uh, I listened to a teaching by, what was the, James Awala, the black that had been a satanic priest, get saved. And it impacted me so much. And I went, I have to do a reset to my vow that I made to the Lord of, of coming and sitting before him for a certain period of time that was between me and him. And I used to do it back when we had the tent. I had this amazing time like, that was like no other time in my life of truly coming. And I stopped trying to study to have messages and started sitting before the Lord and getting bread. I, I'd have the most amazing, just revel nothing super, super natural about encounters. But when you enter into the spirit, everything becomes alive. And after that, like before that time, or no, in, during that time and afterwards, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. The spirit fell on me at the end of a conference, not during. I was kind of watching everything at the time. At the end of the conference, going to a gas station, hearing somebody, uh, some guys were in Atlanta, so, you know, speaking in tongues. Well, it was another language. It was foreign. They were foreigners. And it just, it just impacted me. I, I start getting this giggle, laughter, you know, impartation. And it just began and other things happened. I just kind of came awake. It was kind of like weird. And yet, we, as we drove, I was with my friend Dennis C. As we drove, here was what I expected. Everything came alive. I could see Jesus in everything. I could see his words everywhere. If a truck passed us, there was a word that hit me. Just all kinds of things. I'd kind of open my eyes, look here, look, and I would see things that were alive in the spirit. Like I had different eyes to see. And that was like the whole trip home. I was just, and that lasted for a long time. Back when I was in, tent, the, in the tent and sitting before the Lord, I would have all these neat revelations, simple, out of simple things. I hear we're in a tent. There's bird nests, and you can, you're only a canvas away from the bird and, and the babies and the nests. 
along the wall. Remember how the wall was? It wasn't very, it wasn't even high as these walls. And, and the birds could get in. I'm reading, I believe, Psalm 68, about even the birds make the nest in your, you know, your temple, your dwelling place. I'm reading that. I hear the birds chirping above my head. Oh my gosh, this is the tabernacle of David. Like it is what he experienced as he's writing these things. Because that was open air too. Have you ever been to another country? They don't have seal, they don't have soffit and ceilings and all this sealed up stuff. The birds were a part of the, the thing, you know? They were right there up in the rafters. And, he, and he's having that experience, and he's you, and I just like, oh my gosh, that's why the scripture. This is where it came from. What a, silly, what a silly thing to write. Except that you're in the presence of the Lord. You're in the temple, which David loved with all of his heart. That's all he really ever wanted. Right? And Larry Randolph is giving his, just telling, he's like, man, I, I'm telling you, like he pretty much just said it. I don't really don't want to live if I don't get back to experiencing the presence of the Lord. And the Lord never really left him, but he's, I, I, know what he's, I know what he's talking about. Like the first thing becomes the first thing. Here we are in Psalms 27, and, and the psalmist writes this. Um, it's this one thing, verse 4. I'm going to read out of the New King James. But uh, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. So you come, come to that one thing. How many times have you come to the one thing? I've come there a bunch of times, actually. But every time that I revisit that getting back to the one thing, I get an upgrade on it. It gets deeper. It gets, so I'm not going to apologize for being there a thousand times. You kind of awaken. I'm distracted. I'm busy. I'm angry. I'm this. I'm that. I need to get my, I got to get my groove on. Like, I got to get out, get back. And the Lord's always just patiently waiting to bring us back. There's a grace to get back in. Phyllis said that in the beginning. She just started almost, I'm like, take it easy, Phyllis. You're going to go right into ministry time, right from the opening introduction. There's a grace to reset. There's a grace to get back in. Just read the history of Israel as a nation. Oh, my gosh. Even when he vows he'll never, he still does. Bring them back, accept them back, save them from the mess they're in, deliver them from enemies, come in, supernaturally deliver them. He's always there, always forgiving, always come, and there's always an opportunity until it's not today anymore. I'll say that. You can reset. One thing I've desired, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So that, if you have not experienced that, start seeking. Just double down. I don't want to hear your excuses. I've already heard them. I've already had them. Double down. Get a little bit irritated and angry if you see it in somebody else and pound your fist a little bit to Papa and say, I want that too. He won't reject you for that. They got it. I want it. Read your Bible. You see something in there? Hey, 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 hey. Every person in the ministry, and any, they've all had to do that. And you stand before God in this dangerous place because you're like intense. 
Don't want to offend God, I mean, honestly, right? I don't encourage being angry and yelling at him, but I really don't. I don't like that. I don't advocate it. I, 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 I've done that once or twice in my life. I'm still grieved about it. But you can appeal, make a demand on him, even if it's not in the rule book. Like David, look where he got pre-New Testament. He broke all the rules to have that temple, the tabernacle of David. You understand that, don't you? He wasn't allowed to be doing that stuff. He wasn't allowed to have that. He, he found, you know, grace is in the Old Testament too. Noah found it. Yeah? We know Enoch found it. They tapped into things even before they were really officially released. Jesus' mother, she understood that. Hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. He says, to, son of God says to her, mom, it's not the time. She turns around, ignores him and says, hey, do whatever he tells you. Is that not like a mother? But mothers have great influence when they get into that mode. Look out. We're eventually going to play, play a video that uh, Lou Engel in, about this uh, uh, they're calling a million people to come pray, a million women to come to the capital and intercede for our nation. And there's another event in Columbus in October. We'll talk more about that on another day. We were, Phyllis and I were back and forth about today, not today, yesterday, you know, that thing. So, and what is it? There's scripture about women. They get, they get that thing, mama bears. And uh, there, what's the woman's name that is, that uh, she's, she's really in, involved in this. All, Jen, Jenny, Jenny Donnelly, Jenny. And um, she's just the housewife, man. And she is a mover and a shaker. Like she's, she's heading up some of these things. She go, I'm nobody. She's not. But she's right in the grassroots of this million women coming to the mall. Because she goes, they're not doing that with my kids. The atrocities. The uh, hormone blockers and the things they're putting on children, our children. And at some point you go, okay, coming out, I'm, I'm, no more. This has got to stop. And you stand up. And you speak, it's, it's time to lay hold of these things. And the Lord waits for us to rise up into that thing. So Larry Randolph's in this, it really touched me. And he says a lot of things in, his, in, in this. But here's the word that he has. I want to read it, then just spin off of it a little bit uh, with some scripture, another scripture. He goes, um, this is his word, and he, he, he just spoke this at the beginning of the month at his, wherever his church's ministry is. I still, I need to look that up. The decisions you make this year and priorities you put in place this year will define the next decade of your life. It's that kind of defining moment. This is serious. 
what's cool is I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's happening to me. Like, so I'm not trying to catch up. I'm like, yeah, I'm already, I'm doing that. And it just, it's like such a confirmation. And many of you are waking up to things. And I've been declaring over the church that we, our spiritual gifts get stirred up. We're at a very low level of actually functioning in those. We're, we're really low. That's not condemnation. That's just like, you need that. We need a little fire. We need that stirred up. The gifts are here. They're in you. They might be dormant. I don't know. I don't know. And, and you know what? I can't, I can't pull them out myself. But the Spirit can act, activate those things. And different things can activate. And a, and a prophet can call these things out of us. So what we did do in this, what we put in place this year, will define the next decade of your life for good or for bad. This is a serious year. This is a leap year. You paid attention? This is a leap year. I think Lacey's not here, but her son Samuel, he gets to have a birthday every four years or whatever. So how old is he now? Five, six? I don't know. How many leap years? We always make a joke about that. You're born on leap year. You're like, you don't get that many birthdays. How about that? <laughs> That's almost as bad as being born on Christmas and you're like, miss, you know, it's like, well, whatever. Everybody else gets their special day. I have to share mine with Jesus. It's time to leap forward. A change year, a transition year, a year of recapturing. This is to let you know you can recapture. David came back from fighting somebody else with his men to find out that the enemy had come in and took all of their women, children, all their stuff. And their cat and livestock. His men were so mad they were getting ready to stone him. It, that's, that's a tense time. That's a bad time. He's having a bad day. We just lost all our stuff, all our people, all of our precious possessions, our wives, our children. And, and they're blaming me. But again, he doubles down and he, he puts that aside enough that he asked the Lord and said, if I run after those guys, if I run after that, can I get it? And the Lord said, you may. Permission granted. He's like, hey, while you guys are deciding that, I'm going to go get our stuff back. Well, what were they going to do? Stand there and look stupid? All right, all right, we'll go with you. Then we'll kill you, you know? It's that thing at that moment are you going to decide to go after what God has for you, or are you going to let someone kill you? So this is a time to recapture, a year of returning to our first love. There Phyllis was saying, Re returning to our first love. And, and Kevin had the most powerful revelation about that a while back, well, sometime in the last year or so. The Lord said, come back to your first love. And then he defined that. First, the first love is the first things that you loved when you were new in the Lord. Is that a good description? Start doing, go back to doing those things you loved. That were, he's talking about what was in, in the Lord. Being free, he was free, being free, we hang around the church long enough, we get all encumbered, don't we? Trying to figure out how to do it right. And we stop doing it. So in those first years, 
in that first season when we come to Jesus, we're kind of like unhinged. And this is what I fell in love with Phyllis because, and I've said this to her recently, when I think back of who she was when I, I'm like, you were different than any woman I'd ever met. You were just different. I'd never seen anybody, especially a female, blow a kiss to Jesus. And I was fascinated with it. Being a Baptist, ex, but still having all that on me yet, you know, takes a while to shed all those old scales, you know. And she had a, a, a bravado and she was even a little bit offensive to people because she just was going, moving. Hey, let's go. Let's do this. You know, she was full of life. Not, not rebellion, just full of life. Full of, let's do this. Let's go. And I'm like, wow. And the Lord wants you back. Many of you experienced that in the beginning. Then life happened. Life always happens. Don't feel bad. It happens to all of us. A disappointment comes. Some responsibilities come that are hard to shoulder. Some crashes happen. Some mishaps happen. Some wrong turns in the road happen. Jesus watches all that, and all he says is, get back on track. Come back. Recapture what's lost. Start fresh today. Don't look back. Look forward. A year of walking in his presence, and that's what Larry, he said, all, all I want. I'm, so I'm telling you, people, all I really care about is that I, I enter into the presence of the Lord, that I can walk in the presence of the Lord. That's my high prize. I don't care how many likes I get on this video. I don't care how many conferences I get invited to. See, that's a, it's a drug. Like, it's a, it's a hard thing. And then I've watched other people that were in the ministry that aren't in the ministry anymore. And trust me. One year you're invited to the conference, the next to speak, the next, next year you're not invited back. You got stuff to deal with. And it doesn't matter what, what place you attain to. The moment you feel left out or less than, if you aren't putting your entire substance into Jesus. That song I just sang. Take the world, take it all, just give me Jesus. If I have Jesus, then it doesn't even matter, not permanently, who fails around me. This is the whole issue with leadership that falls and disappoints us or we feel betrays us. It's natural for it to hurt. It's natural to that it throws you off. It's, it's, it's a natural thing, the disappointment. But man, when people pull off the side of the road and stop driving just because somebody, somebody up in the front of the line ran into a bridge, it's like, who are you following? What are you doing? Where, where's, where's your, who's your compass? Who's your, who's your life union with? Are they with that ministry, with that person, with that church? Same thing with church. Like you're, you're real, like we have to learn. Get, pull it back. Don't worry about who's ahead of you. Don't worry about who's following you. 
In this regard, Facebook's the worst thing that happened to our culture. It made us more conscious than ever about who likes us and who doesn't. Oh, as if we needed more of that. Do you hear me? It affected us deeply. So I don't even want to say it to be funny. Pay attention to that. If it's affecting your walk with Jesus, deal with it. Denounce it. Jesus, in my culture, it matters who likes me and who doesn't like me. But I don't think it's kingdom, so I want you to deliver me from that. So that I can do... Do you understand how much in the, in the ministry and in the spirit you, ha, you, you will displease people? Go ahead, just... That's normal. I'm not talking about purposefully offending people. I'm just talking, try as hard as you can to keep everybody happy. It's not going to work out that good. You always have to come to this place where, where in your communication and in where, that you're just assertively following something, here are my values, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I'm going to be faithful to. I might have people around me that agree, and then I, I might not. I don't know. I love you, but I have to do what's, uh, what I have, I'm convicted to do. Walking that way will bring the joy of the Lord into your life. You wondering how to get joy? You wondering how to get righteousness? That, those things all actually come from him. Step in, step into following him, and those th you will start experiencing those things. Joy unspeakable comes from that sense of pleasure in him and from him. And he'll hook you up and you'll perceive what he's feeling and what blesses him. You'll get giddy. You're like, oh, you're connected. If all of a sudden you have joy about something, there's probably joy from Jesus that he has towards you and you're feeling it. Exodus chapter 33. This is a story, a very fascinating story, and I'm re revisiting it. They have a command to leave Sinai. The Lord said to Moses, depart and go down from here. You and your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I'm in verse 1, I will give it in verse 2, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite. Did I say that right? Maybe. And the Jebusite, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up with you in your midst. And, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, if we're just, when we're just interested in getting someplace, like the land of milk and honey, it would be easy to miss that little phrase. I'm going to, take, I'm going to send my angel before you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to get you there. I'm going to destroy all your enemies that prevent you from getting there and going there. And by the way, I'm not going to go. 
I'm not going to go lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Now, every good parent has had that moment when you look at your kids and you're like, we won't say it out loud, but you thought it, right? They're so cute and adorable and they don't have to get very old before they do things you're like, I'm going to drop you off somewhere. <laughs> and God knew who this group of people were. He's like, I'm not going. I'll kill you on the way. It's exactly that. No, I'm not mincing words. Like, uh, I'm not adding anything to it. That's what it's about. I, I, I can't stand your sin, your rebellion, your stiff neck. And I'm like, I, I won't make it. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. So they heard it loud and clear what he was saying to them. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up with you in the midst of one in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you, to you. So the, the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting. So they're in a hold on moment. Before we go anywhere, they pull off and Moses is very intense. Like, this is a very serious moment for them. They've been delivered miraculously. Yeah? We're still telling the stories. We should. Provided for, like, wow, supernatural stuff. We're still fascinated with it today, and rightly so. It was an amazing deliverance out of Egypt. After all that, they get to the mountain, which wasn't really the destination. It was a big time stop, but it was not where they could live, where they were to live. They had a land to get to, a promised land to get to, where they could be fruitful and multiply, where they could grow and begin to take and capture, take possession of more land and more territory that the Lord is giving them. They put this tabernacle on the outside of camp, out of ways, and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp, outside of town. It was out of way. And they went there to seek the Lord. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. It's like this magnificent camping trip that they were on. They've all got their campers parked in rows and lines and in sections. And, you know, this group, this, this tribe's here and this tribe's, I mean, it's a big deal. And Moses would come out of his tent, his dwelling place, and go to this tent of meeting. And the whole, the whole group of them would pay attention to this. God got their attention. You can go. I'll take care of you. I'm not going. I, I, I <laughs> that's really... I mean, the older I get, the more significant this is. I'm like, oh, gosh. Wow. 
They would all stand up, each at the door of his tent. They watched Moses, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended. So it was an event every time he went. Stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses like, wow, that's don't read that too fast. It's an incredible little passage. It's ama- we want the, it's, it's okay. We want these manifestations. I do. I want to see stuff happen because I know stuff can happen. I know stuff has happened. I know in the midst of revival, things have happened. In the Hebrides, over close to Scotland, wherever, wherever exactly that's located. Because some old women started praying consistently with one old poor old pastor, and they start praying for revival, this revival comes, this presence comes, and people start showing up at the meeting place, don't even know why they've been drawn there by the thousands. I mean, it was an incredible, not spoken of often, revival. And just the presence of the Lord was convicting people and drawing them and bringing them. They'd be like, I don't, know, I don't know why I'm here or how I got here, but I need to be saved. I can't stand living with what I'm living with anymore. No one even preached to them yet. Like, it was crazy. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent. They were, this is good. This is a good response. They may have been stiff-necked, but buddy, he got their attention. They're like, no one had to twist their arm. Verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Selah. I'm not even going to touch that. He just stayed. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, see, you say to me, bring up this people. Now he begins this negotiation. This is a real leader, ready to lay his life down and really for God's honor. For his name's sake, he begins to appeal to the Lord. So, That's the highest motive you can ever have for approaching the Lord. Lord, for your name's sake. I I think we should move towards that. Start praying for things for the Lord's name's sake. Just a suggestion. You see... If you have a good testimony in your life, he gets glorified. So even for your personal things and your little things that you don't think matter, if you ask for it for his name's sake, he will give it, and it'll glorify him, and he needs to be glorified. He's God. We're not. We don't need to be glorified. He doesn't. that's, That's who he is. Yet you have said, I know why you, 
I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So he's making this appeal. That's what you've said to me, Lord, that I've got grace. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. These are your people. And you just told us <laughs> to wipe them all out because you can't stand being around us, basically. Can't contain yourself if you see how we really are. Like, that's like, oh, boy. Can we just do a thank you, Jesus, for your blood and for the cross right here? I don't care who you are. You have no merit to stand before God. None. Get that straight. None. And he said, my presence will go with you. So God's interacting with him. My presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us from here. We'll just stay here because we're not going. In. Larry Randall, Randolph just said, made the say, Lord, if you don't go with me from this moment that I know you're with, me, I'm not going. I'm just. You come to that place like. Go with me or <laughs> my going forward is stopped. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. So Moses negotiated this for the people. God doesn't lie. He meant what he said. This was a life and death situation, actually. This was serious. Moses negotiated, and Jesus has negotiated for us. Don't stand in your own credits. Stand in his. And he said, please show me your glory. Show me your face to face, like glory, presence. There's not a word for that. It's face. Let me be in your face. Let me be in your presence. Let me be face to face. Jesus was face to face with the Father before he was born, before he came. He was with God in the beginning. He was with God, and they were face to face. Then he said, I will make your you, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have a have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Last Last fall, when we went out to see uh, Lou Engle and the communion revival, that, already, that was just one year ago, right? Like, just that we just did that. Is that correct? Am I two? Is it one? Yeah, just one. Just last year, last October. And Tom and Jesse were able to go with us. And, and so after they came back home and after we went to the conference, uh, Phyllis and I got to spend a few days um, up in the mountains. And we went 
uh, stated in Estes Park, which is right at the foot of the Rockies in this one. There's many places to enter them, but we're there. Funny as it is in this video by Lou Engle, that's exactly where he went to fast and pray to hear from the Lord about this event. Estes Park. And we were there, and we were, thanks to Tom, he, he sh I mean, you know us that were in this age, this age, and we're still struggling with our computers and our phones and to think that way, you know. I'll still be wondering how to do something, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I can just, yeah, look it up, yeah. It's fascinating, but it's still hard to get your head there. Our kids, that's like, you know, they do this, go to like, and they've got the whole thing open, working. I mean, my little grandchildren, like, they can get your phone locked up and all. They can do all kinds of stuff. Their little fingers go and do, do, do. Yeah, I know. I know, me too. I'm like, wow. And he, Tom shared with us this app called All Trails. And I know I probably shouldn't be so fascinated with things and so happy about it. But all my life, I've been like, I love to go, Phyllis and I love to go on walks but we're just kind of old school and, you know, this app shows you where to go, how hard it is, how easy it is, where it starts, you know, all the stuff that you kind of need to know if you don't know where you're at, right? And man, finally, have you ever driven through the mountains and said, man, I want to get into that? Like, get off the road and just, I want to get in it so I can experience it and not just look at it. Well, this app will tell you how to do that and you get into it. And we went on, in that little time period last fall, we went on some of the most amazing walks. It was amazing that I could go on the walk where we went, but it was, they were amazing walks. And go up these mountains, go up these long trails and get to the top of this lake on top. And it's like, oh, wow, you know? And, and we were on one of those days walking and finding different paths. We went on several. And we're up high, on these incredible looking rocks, just very unique in that area. And the wind is blowing strong. You know, it's one thing for winds, and, but then the wind kicks up to a certain level and you go, whoa. And when you're up in some altitude and it's blowing like that and there's rocks, it's, I don't, you just kind of have to experience it. It's amazing and powerful and all those things. It wasn't dangerous. It's just like, whew, you're just life, you know? It's coming, and I, and I see this cleft in the rock, and I go, oh, wow. I mean, I, being there, and that went, you're like, this, the Lord said, here, step into this cleft, and I'll walk by you. I'll put my hand right here in your face so you can't see me because it'll kill you. It was his kindness can't look at me. You won't, you won't be here anymore. You won't make it. Because of why? Because he's mean? No, because of his glory. And he hit him there. And it's like he did this for Moses. I can't let you look at me because you just, it just, you'd kill you. But I can shield your face. I shield you from actually seeing me direct without 10 pairs of sunglasses on, you know, that thing. 
But he shows him compassion. You can't see my face. No man can see my face and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me. You shall stand in the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The Lord's kind, we can tap into his mercy, his kindness, and his grace. We have to be reminded about this because there's another voice that's always telling us a lie, that it's too late, you've gone too far, you're too old, you're too young, you're too small, you're too big, you're too short, you're too tall. Your last name, the color of your skin, I mean, everything is always a voice saying, but not you, Right? It doesn't even matter what you've accomplished. That thing can come and it can nip at you any time. Trust me. That thing has shown, that voice has shown up in my life at all kinds of places. The funniest thing was it was always I was too young. And then one day it, cha- it changed to I'm too old. And I went, what, what, wait, what, what, when did that? I missed, I missed the, I missed the pull off, you know, like. <laughs> uh, sooner or later, the enemy reveals himself. And you realize that's not God's voice. It's the voice of the deceiver. It's the liar. He's familiar. He sounds just like me. I must discern. And I'll tell you, sometimes all he has to do is whisper a lie, and we're, we're cooked. We stop moving. What? You're, can I just tell you, some, sometimes you and I, we're easy. We're not even hard to stop. One person that doesn't like you, one, one situation that goes bad, one mistake, one bounce check. That's about the end of the world, isn't it? It is at the moment. <laughs> it's all right. One mistake with your finances, one mistake with your relationships, one, you know. I've seen big men, they fall out of favor with their wife, and they are puddles. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Where's your roar now? Because these things affect us, and it's not even all bad. And the enemy loves to play on those things. He knows exactly the buttons to push. He studies you. He comes in, and he doesn't want to reveal himself too much because you get smart to him. It's like, oh, you're just the devil. But, but if he can disguise himself as something familiar, as he, can, as, as he can, well, you know what I'm saying. Make this your pursuit. Make your life a prayer. Feast continually on joy. Make your life a prayer. Give thanks in everything. Do you understand just the simplest thing? You don't have to go fight demons. Just start giving thanks for situations around you and even difficult things. Lord, I thank you for this. It's challenging right now, but I know you'll see, you're not the author of it. 99% probably not, but it's here. Little one in the sound booth maybe, I don't know. Or, or just my daughter could have been any of those things.
So make it your one thing to experience his presence. Make it your one thing to walk in that way. It's the only thing that's going to satisfy anyways. And this worry about what you should do. And we're living in the most difficult year, perhaps. It's a really serious year. But we don't have to act like idiots during this time. We have a Savior. Let's act like it. You have serious questions? Ask the questions. I pray all the time about things. Lord, should I do this? Should I do? I, I, Lord, I don't know about this area, so lead me, guide me, show me. I commit my way to the Lord, and then I trust He will take, He will watch over me, and I'll walk forward. And sometimes, if you think too much, and you you're gonna make yourself nuts. Like it's no way to live, is it? It's not grace. It's not freedom. It's not liberty. It's not joy. It's worry. In the name of Jesus. Let's worry in the name of Jesus. <gasps> I, I call them Phyllis's oh no moments. Something she's like, <gasps> she you know, has this reaction. I had to, I, for a while, I had a little group text going. Then I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Like, they were funny as anything, though. Stop. I had to stop. <laughs> if I published them, I'm telling you, they would be funny. But we're all like, we're gasping. Everything that happens, like, <gasps> it's like, go, huh. There's an answer. There's a solution. God's still good. He still loves me. Forgive me. Make it right. He can make things right. He can fix all kinds of things. It's good. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask that you'll uh, open the doors for us to make a second, uh, an appeal, an, uh, an opportunity, an opportunity to restructure, to reset, to redefine our walk with you. And Father, just looking at this prophecy, this prophetic word from Larry Randolph, If it is true that the decisions we make this year and the priorities that we put in place this year will define the next 10, the next decade of our life, we ask for your grace. Because even when I see what's wrong, I don't have a lot of ability to change it. But when your grace comes, I can and I do. So I declare over everyone, it is not too late to reset, redefine, make corrections to your path. As a matter of fact, making corrections to our trajectory is quite normal. Our car may be in perfect condition, but it continually needs steered, guided to the right, to the left, to stay on track, to get to the destination. Lord, uh, may we cast off the condemnation because we have to make some corrections on the way. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that we're going to be able to make those adjustments in those days and that you will, it will be on you. It'll be, you, will, you will come to give us a new set, a reset. That we will posture and position ourselves in a good place for the next 10 years coming. 
I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Enjoy your day. praise you and we honor you this day. We thank you, Jesus. You are holy. In the Bible, the number 40 is so significant. And for 40 days and 40 nights, the rain fell over Noah. And for 40 days, Moses was on Mount Sinai to receive the commandments and for 40 years the Israelites were in the desert before they entered the promised land and isn't it interesting that a woman carries a baby in the womb for 40 weeks these are all the designs of God and we're about to enter into 40 days of Lent And I imagine what Jesus went through in those uh, 40 days of his preparation, not just abstaining from food, but the repeated temptations, being, being tempted with food, being tempted with power, the same things the enemy uses to tempt us today, the schemes of the enemy, the, the manipulation, the lies that Jesus had to refute, again, the same tactics he uses on us. But his weapon was the word, and it was his connection to the Father. It was his connection to heaven, the word. And I wish there was more detail, but imagine how much in those 40 days that he prayed and offered up a sacrifice of praise to his Father. Just, to, just imagine that for 40 days. And those are the weapons that we still have today. We saw in the altar call that Phyllis had last weekend, there's a lot of people in the desert and there's deserts of loneliness and deserts of depression, deserts of fear and anxiety, and we all need the weapon of the word and we all need the weapon of our prayers to offer up the sacrifice of praise when we're in the desert. And the other weapon you have, the other connection to heaven and the other connection to the Father is here at the communion table. When, when you're in that desert, when you're in that battle, it's so hard to see anything other than the enemy. But when you're at the communion table, there's nothing else you can see but the eyes of Jesus. So that's what I want us, uh, our, where our hearts should be in that connection in picking up the bread and the cup as a weapon for your battle. And whether you participate in Lent or not, we still have battles. And he's with us, he hears us, 
He hears our cry and he, and he, and he hears your heart when you're at the communion table. So I ask you to come this morning. If you're in a desert, you have the opportunity to step into the table and it's prepared in, in the green pasture. Step out, step into his presence, make that connection, pick up your weapon to do battle, commune with the Lord this morning, amen.